Hello, my name is Philip Miraton, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. The title of this week's show is, Is the Paranormal Real? And this, I believe, is an important question because it goes to the heart of a problem we have with our current mindset, our current modern mindset, and that is, I think that this mindset, as we've talked about in other shows, is in a state of conflict. On the one hand, we seem to take for granted many things that modern science tells us, such as the Big Bang, Darwinian evolution, particle physics, modern medicine, and a host of other modern scientific theories and events. On the other hand, most people believe in the paranormal or some form of the paranormal, such as mind over matter or telepathy or clairvoyance. Most people believe in God, heaven, or some form of spirituality. And this is actually where the conflict arises because our modern scientific worldview theory is based upon materialism, that view of the world that all that really exists are particles in motion. And this worldview, I might add, this worldview of materialism, in fact, has no room for the paranormal. Believe it or not, it simply does not exist. And those who doubt me on this, there's a book by Steven Weinberg, who actually won the Nobel Prize in Physics for, I believe, the electroweak theory. He has a book called The Dreams of a Final Theory. And in this book, he comes right out and says that in the world of science, there is no room for such things as mind over matter or astrology. He asks the big question, what possible physical signal from our brains could move distant objects and yet have no effect on any scientific instruments? And that's the question that modern science raises and why I believe our brains are in a state of conflict because we want to believe in science we think that they're true the authority figures at the same time we hold these thoughts these beliefs in the paranormal so joining me on today's show is one of the country's leading paranormal researchers his name is ed ozowski he is a pioneer and expert in the field of the paranormal he's got about 30 years of experience in this area he is the founder of the Hauntings uh, Research Institute. He's an instructor of paranormal studies at Pittsburgh Area College. And he's a member of the famous Rhine Research Institute, which we may recall really started parapsychology research in this country out of Duke University. And he's got all sorts of other credentials. But the good news is, is that we have somebody here who we're going to be able to get into this topic a little bit. Ed, thanks a lot for joining us. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. Well, it's uh, the idea here is to open minds and to explore ideas that a lot of other people don't approach in the same way. Now, what we're going to do here is we're going to have a, a wide open discussion about the paranormal, but I'd like to start off with something sort of basic, which is why do you believe so many people are interested in the paranormal? Actually, I, I think that it's something that it uh, is almost inbred. I think it's something that uh, goes back to the beginning of time. Every major religion, every major civilization was uh, uh, seemed to have a disproportionate interest in uh, in death and uh, the life after death. And I think that uh, it's something that uh, has just survived through the years and. Uh, 
is so ingrained in mankind. Plus, I think uh, people, as a rule, just you know, just enjoy mysteries. And one of the greatest mysteries, uh, obviously, of the universe is: uh, uh, does does the life uh, extend beyond the grave? Uh, is is the soul uh, eternal? So, uh, I just think it's a combination of of things like that. Well, one way to look at this is that maybe there's a part to what we are that is really supernatural, and I and. We call it. We would call it supernatural, but in the true perspective, maybe it's natural. Maybe there's something inbred, as you say, in us that goes beyond this robotic, machine-like existence we're supposed to have under the current scientific worldview. Perhaps we're really, as as we've said in the past, spiritual creatures having a physical existence. That's one way to put it, and. Perhaps we do all have this paranormal ability. I always think it's odd when I read about the paranormal, how close the leading religions are to really being founded in paranormal experiences. And, and I don't know if this is something you've, you've looked at, but I've always thought it's amazing how close they are to each other. It, it, there's a... Um, there's a a very um, large uh, mystery involved with this. The church, uh, in at least in Western civilization, you know, they, they teach uh, uh, heaven, hell. If you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. There's God. There's uh, the devil. There's angels. There's demons. Yet, um, if uh, you approach a, a member of the church. And um, with a problem, with a discussion, with um, some help needed, they will run in in the opposite direction as fast mm-hmm. as as humanly possible. Yeah. Uh, it is almost impossible, for instance, uh, in certain situations where you may uh, have a client that wants uh, a house uh, blessed. It is very difficult, believe it or not, to have, uh, for instance, a Catholic priest that will come in under the the, uh, idea of a paranormal existence to bless the house. They just don't want any parts of it. And why is that? And why is that? Yet, as you mentioned, and I agree 100%, it's one of the basic uh, premises of Western religion. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, first of all, we could we all know about uh, the miracles of Jesus Christ, and the one that that I that I'm I'm always struck by is where he he fed the masses with one bushel of bread and fish, and walking on the water and healing, and today we would call virtually all of that paranormal, and. Th- th- it just seems to me to be odd that we hold religion many times in a different category than the paranormal, and the paranormal is viewed in many instances as some kind of freak show. And and I I think that part of the problem and I is the way it's presented on TV. For example, the shows like The Ghost Hunter or the par- or Paranormal. I mean, what do you think of those kind of shows? Well, uh, in polite. Uh... In polite uh, uh, public, I uh, I will say that their interests are much different than my interests. Uh, they are out there to entertain, to make money, and to sell advertising. I, on the other hand, approach things from a little different angle. Uh, I'm more interested in the scientific study of the phenomena, uh, of uh, of uh, the possibility that uh, there is something outside of the human body. So consequently, the the cable TV shows are probably one of the banes of my existence. <laughs> uh, I have more people uh, come up to me and, and say, oh, I know all about the paranormal. I watch it on TV all yeah. the time. Yeah. And any, uh, any relationship between... Uh, truth 
yeah, as far as the cable sh- shows go, and let's say uh, a life's research by uh, Dr. J.B. Ryan at Duke University uh, is al- is a joke. Yeah, uh, it's an insult. So uh, that's uh, I-, I leave the TV shows, um, you know, for those people that uh, that want to be entertained and. Uh, we uh, we leave the paranormal uh, and parapsychology research uh, for the people that want to be informed. Right, and I think that a lot of the a lot of the TV shows along these lines are really, as you point out, trying to attract attention, trying to sort of stimulate uh, the imagination and for entertainment. It's it's not trying to explain anything. And it's not trying to seek scientific legitimacy for anything. And I think that that's one of the challenges that I want to talk about in the show a little bit is, is what you've done to, to try to legitimize scientifically the paranormal and where you think this is all heading. Now, what I'd like to do is set the table for this and first ask you, how did you get interested in this field? Actually, uh, as an undergraduate, I uh, read a, uh, an, a very interesting book by um, Morty uh, Bernstein uh, called The Search for Bridie Murphy, which dealt with reincarnation. And the subject, uh, to me, held a great deal of interest because of the fact uh, that um, I, I had some pretty traumatic experiences as a child. Uh, which could not be explained, and uh, which would not be explained. And uh, I spent a great deal of time thinking on the subject. Once I became old enough to actually do some research and reading, uh, that's what kind of kicked it off. And from there, I worked with um, well, some, some very, very big names in the uh, parapsychology uh, field, um, you know, J.B. Rhine and and Ian Stevenson at University of Virginia, Bill Roll at uh, Duke University, uh, people like that. So I've worked both in laboratory type uh, research and out of laboratory type research. What? What? Can you share with us uh, one of your experiences that sort of got you thinking about this area? Uh, as a matter of fact. Um, there's a, there's a couple that come to mind, but uh, I, I will say that when I was approximately three or four years old, our family moved in with my grandmother, and uh, because of a, a lack of space in the house, uh, I was delegated to sleep in the attic. Now, of course, you know, most children at that age, you know, sleeping in an attic is kind of a spooky type thing anyway. Right. But uh, in my situation, uh, I was—I uh, grew up in a very strict Catholic house, and uh, Dad would not allow um, anything like night lights or, or uh, open doors. So uh, every night I spent in in total darkness in the attic, and unfortunately, I spent uh, many years—at uh, least three three years every night with the blanket over my head, listening to footsteps around my bed, um, feeling people sitting on my bed, people poking me, touching me, listening to voices, listening to footsteps, listening to doors opening and closing around me. And uh, even at that age, I knew that's not normal. So um, that is... Uh, that's what I, I reference when I uh, talk about uh, some some very very traumatic experiences for me as a as a youth. And um, well, that, well, that would be a powerful influence on somebody, particularly when they're young. And I think the natural question that someone would have would be, how do you know that you just weren't dreaming? How do I know? Yes. Because uh, many of those times, um, uh, I actually walked around the room 
and interacted with them, okay. or they interacted with me, would be more correct, because I have, I, as a human, I do not have the capability of of uh, creating or initiating in, uh, any kind of interaction. Um, we uh, we later went back after uh, mom passed away and the house was empty, and I had uh, our research group go in and uh, do some research in the house. And to this day, uh, we have people in that group that uh, say it was one of the most puzzling um, experiences of their lives. Uh, things that absolutely could not be explained scientifically, logically, and even paranormally. So, from this experience, you had a mission of of sorts to try to figure out what was going on and to prove or disprove the reality of these experiences? Is something like that? I think that's an accurate statement, yes. Uh, it was twofold, really. One was I was on a quest to answer some of my own questions and and make some sense of some things that just didn't make sense logically. And uh, having a, 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 an advanced degree in historical research, um, I'm the type of person that obviously I... I want answers, and I want proof to back up my answers. So I went uh, actually looking, and uh, I, I happened by good fortune to run into Dr. Ian Stevenson. The University of Virginia was doing some excellent research on reincarnation. And uh, he, in turn, eventually introduced me to J.B. Rind down at uh, Duke University. And there... Um, research into uh, some type of an existence outside of the body or beyond the body were so inspirational that uh, uh, the learning process was just invaluable. I mean, it's, it really set the stage. It set a very strong foundation for me. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with paranormal researcher Ed Ozowski about his research into out-of-body experiences and other facets of the paranormal. It seems to me Ed, that you've got two things going on here. You have powerful personal experiences that told you there was more, there was something to the spiritual realm. There's something else going on here. Be beyond the physical material world. But then it seems like you have something else, which is a desire to prove or disprove this belief scientifically. Uh, it's a very strong drive, as a matter of fact. Right. Um, I think that, as we alluded to before, there is so much misinformation being uh, generated between Hollywood and uh, cable television that uh, it's important to me that information that is garnered uh, through our research uh, be as uh, scientifically accurate and as objectively obtained as as humanly possible at least as you know as much as as our own biases built-in biases will allow us but uh, I think that uh, as I was afraid and confused and frustrated as a child, I, I've run into people through my life that share that same set of uh, emotions. And I uh, empathize with it to the point that uh, I feel a very strong need to provide them with truthful information so that they can, in turn, understand what is going on and make their own decisions as to uh, what they feel is true. Well, one of the problems that we have, I think, and this is sort of an obvious point, but 
in the beginning I talked about how modern scientific theory doesn't accept the paranormal into its worldview and in my opinion the reason for that is that there is not a theory much less a scientific theory that can explain the paranormal now there's there's some folks that are trying to use quantum theory to get there and maybe we'll talk about that but in in your research the paranormal breaks down into various categories right you have telepathy which is which is mind to mind you have uh, uh, mind over matter you have clairvoyance which is remote viewing you have out-of-body experiences you have hauntings and ghosts you have all sorts there's a number of different categories to the paranormal which category if any do you think is the most advanced scientifically or the or the closest to being accepted scientifically is there one no i don't think there's any clear-cut answer to that uh, i actually divide the field into two two schools of research okay. and that is the uh, once the survival of consciousness school and the other is the parapsychological school of research and study uh, they they both deal with science. They both deal with uh, scientists uh, that um, that try to uh, uh, in their best scientific uh, mode uh, try to go about research uh, with the proper modality. And I think that uh, my goal is to eventually see those two schools of research come closer together. One of the major problems in, in, in the field of, of, of uh, parapsychology and uh, the paranormal is uh, they're almost like, it's almost like a pack of wolves. Mm. Uh, they turn on each other. Uh, I don't know if it's professional jealousy. Uh, I don't know if it's a, uh, it's a preference of uh, one modality being superior uh, supposedly superior to another, but um, the, the truth of the matter is they're all doing the same type of research, trying to find the same answers, yet they are their own worst enemies by fighting each other and at uh, professional meetings literally tearing each other's uh, reports apart. Wow. So it. Is your specialty in the survival of consciousness, or is it both? Well, uh, I'm, I'm trained in both, but I, I generally do more of the survival of consciousness uh, now. Uh, I started off in, in the parapsychological uh, school of research, uh, doing a lot of lab uh, work, as I, I mentioned, uh, down at uh, um, the uh, Rhine Research Center and uh, in-laboratory-type testing, whereas uh, there was more emphasis on testing for ESP, clairvoyance, you know, telepathy, um, psychokinesis, things like that, in trying to prove it in a laboratory-type of an environment where you could get repeatable results. Uh, Dr. Bill Roll, however, pointed out to uh, J.B. Ryan at one point that uh, the problem with that is that you cannot initi you cannot initiate a uh, a uh, an experience to study um, uh, in a laboratory, and uh, as a result, he was kind of the influence for me to get out into the field and actually study this where it's going on. Uh, and I think that uh, it's much more effective that way. Well, that that is always a problem with uh, scientific studies of parapsychology. It's one of the problems. And I've read a number of books uh, by J.B. Ryan and related authors where they'll do the card-guessing games. Yes, and the Zenner computers cards. And the random. It, it just seems like it gets very, very boring. And then, and then somebody comes out with something that's, you know, one in a thousand or one in ten thousand uh, against chance and and that proves a little bit of something and it it just it just doesn't have that powerful ring of proof but tell us 
what kind of scientific experiments do you do on the survival of consciousness? What what experiments can you run on that? How do you test it? Well, obviously very carefully. Yeah, that's, yeah I guess that's right. Uh, uh, it, it's a very difficult thing to, um, to try to prove because of the fact that uh, the the only way of knowing is to experience. And unfortunately, uh, you have to rely on on something that is not accepted by science to um, to find out exactly what is going on when the uh, when the body and the soul part uh, part ways. So uh, it's a very very difficult thing. It's it's like uh, trying to prove uh, a negative. It's uh, it, it, it's very difficult and. Uh, uh, the numbers actually are not quite as high as, as what you were mentioning earlier in the show. Uh, the number of people in the latest polls that I've seen, uh, Harris polls and, and whatnot, uh, indicate that approximately 33% of the people believe in, in ghosts. Um, I think it's 60 or 70% believe in God. And uh, a similar uh, percentage believe in the soul. Now, um, they're both spiritual. They're both dealing with something beyond the body. But for there to be such a big gap indicates that there is a, a great deal of learning to be done and a, a great deal of research to close that gap. Because... Uh, if something is physical, it's physical. Um, you know, it's it's either yin or yang. Uh, it's either physical or it's not physical. So if you believe one thing is physical, then that means it's possible. And if it's possible, then it's not impossible, if that makes sense. Well, well first of all, uh, in terms of, I'm looking at the a Harris poll from 2009 in, in a, Michael Shermer's book, The Believing Brain, and it does say, it says, it says here 71% of uh, people polled believe in survival of the soul after death. Yes. 71%, 82% believe in God. But, you know, the numbers aren't, aren't that important, it, but except to show that the vast majority of people believe in something that, that, that modern science does not explain. Now, but it puts you into a difficult predicament which is you have had personal experiences of, of the paranormal, and you are a scientist at heart. But, but then you face this quandary, which is how do you prove something that you really have to personally experience to know it's true? Exactly. So, so what's, what's the best you can do on, in that face with that conundrum? Well, there's a very interesting case that uh, occurred about a week ago, and uh, it, it uh, was significant enough that it did make the news. There was a car crash, and it was a very bad crash, and uh, a woman was trapped in the car. When the uh, paramedics and the fire department uh, arrived at the scene, uh, they were they had to literally... Uh, ripped the car apart to pull her out. Well, in the meantime, she asked for a a, a priest or a uh, a religious man to pray with her. And at that point, an individual showed up, identified himself as a priest, held her hand, they prayed together, and um, she survived what, uh, in all probability, most people at the scene thought was a uh, a non-survivable accident. Now the the kicker to the story is that after they removed the woman from the car, the uh, so-called priest was nowhere to be found. Just mm. totally disappeared. Mm. There was only one church nearby, and the priest at that church swears up and down he was never at the accident. Now I was asked about that. As a scientist, I have to look at that, and I have to say that 
it's nothing more than a nice story. It's a personal experience. Right. It's it's something that raises the hair on my arms. Um, I would need to see uh, photographs. Uh, I would need to hear uh, audio recordings. I would need to see videotapes of this priest. Not that I, not that I uh, doubt that the people at that scene were not upstanding, truthful people. Right. For they, they certainly had nothing to gain by lying about any of this. Right. But uh, as a scientist, um, that's that's my criteria. I I want to see proof. If he was there, show me the proof. Now. As a human being, as Ed Ozowski, I have to, to, to honestly say that because of my upbringing, because of my personal experiences, and my personal belief systems, uh, do I believe that possibly it was an angel to come down to uh, offer uh, help and aid and, and, uh, and whatnot? Yeah, I kind of do. But... Uh, I, I'm caught in a um, in a quandary. Well, there's nothing wrong with having a doubting mind, and I think that that's something that we get from modern science. That we tend to be we tend to be skeptical about everything, except perhaps for the theories of modern science. But 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 we'll put that aside for a moment. And I do think that you know your approach to it is 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 I think the right approach, which is. You know the proofs in the pudding. Uh, you know, seeing is believing. the The issue I think here is what what will it take to prove to modern scientists or to the authority figures that the paranormal exists, and and is any such proof even even possible? The it seems to me that more and more books are coming out. That book, I think, is called a proof proof of heaven, about the um, the neuroscientist that had had a near death experience. Books like that, where scientists have their ex- have these experiences, really, I think, help create traction in this field. And because I'm like you, which is we know these things are probably true. In fact, I know they're true. But what is it going to take to have them accepted? This is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Ed Ozowski about the paranormal and about how we go about proving that such paranormal experiences really exist. Now, Ed, do you yourself have any theories about how these survival consciousness events can occur? Well, I believe that um, without getting into the political end of it, I believe that at the time of the birth process, I believe that uh, whenever you believe that that spark occurs uh, during uh, the birthing process, whenever that spark occurs, I believe that the spirit and the body unite, and I think that uh, it's uh, it's pretty much almost a rule of the universe, uh, the the rule of duality. Um, we're faced with so many things that have a dual nature: up, down, ice cold. Uh, you know, uh, so many different things that have two sides to it. And I believe that we as humans uh, adhere to that rule. I think we are uh, partially spiritual and we are partially uh, material. And I think that uh, the entire goal in life is to uh, develop more the spirituality and, and decrease the role of the importance of the body. Once we reach the deathbed, I believe the two separate. I believe that uh, the, the spirit, the energy, uh, does go on. I believe that uh, um, it's pretty well been an accepted scientific fact that energy uh, you know, cannot be uh, destroyed. 
So the energy within the body has to do something. Um, if you believe the energy is a, a soul, is um, is uh, the spirit, then you know so be it. Uh, if uh, if you do not believe that that is, then of course then it's just energy, and it it goes off and combines with other energy to to form other things. But I I personally believe that um, that spirit that that drive inside of me. I think there's a difference between what, uh, knowing something. In other words, knowing it in your mind, and then knowing something. In other words, something that is so ingrained, so deep, there are not words to describe it. You just know that it is true. And I believe that is the spiritual part of us. Right, and, and, the, right. and I, I think that what you're saying there is, is very important. And, and one of the reasons that I, I wanted to talk about this is that we tend to talk about topics that branch from a common root. And I said earlier about the notion that we're spiritual uh, creatures, beings having a physical experience, which is something that comes out of the phenomenon of man by that um, Pierre Jardin, French Jesuit priest who wrote that book in the last century. And the important thing to keep in mind here, I think, is that if, if our essence is spiritual, then necessarily the death of the body will not destroy the spirit. And I think what's fascinating here, Ed, is that if you look at, like, Hinduism or the religions, the belief systems that follow reincarnation, the reincarnation folks really believe that there is a one-to-one -one correlation between the spirit of one living thing and the body of a new living thing, i.e., this is where we hear stories about, say, the Dalai Lama being reincarnated, or if you have bad karma, you'll come back as a mouse, or something like that. It, it is, it's really a fascinating thing, where, where what, what, what you're doing, and, and maybe and, and other folks in the Western world, is that we're saying that a spirit lives on, but maybe this spirit will not embody itself into another physical thing. It's very, it's very close. You see what I'm saying? Between the classic reincarnation and, and the, it, the eternity or the immortality of spirit. Yes. And I think that uh, that's what I was referring to earlier when I talked about the survival of consciousness uh, type research. Um, when I when I talk about that, what I'm generally talking about is uh, the survival of the soul, and that would be scientific uh, research into uh, paranormal phenomena, uh, the reincarnation field, the study of uh, does the soul get a, a another opportunity to come back and improve itself. And the uh, near-death experience, which, as you uh, indicated, uh, is gaining a little bit of uh, traction in the scientific field, mainly because uh, there are now so many uh, noted uh, and well-respected doctors and scientists that are uh, coming out and... Uh, in telling their own stories, their their own versions of what happened, with the inability to discount it from a scientific point of view. So I I think that uh, that it it really depends on uh, what your um, what your, your belief system is. Uh, I think that any of the three uh, can certainly make a very good point and uh, have some very good, uh, solid research behind them. And uh, But as to, you know, whether or not one is more viable, one is more believable, uh, you know, that's a little difficult. Uh, like in reincarnation, you talked about uh, the, the Hindus and whatnot. Uh, latest Gallup poll 
uh, 20% of people believe in reincarnation, okay? Right. Now, what that translates to, in the United States, there's 315 million people, which means 63 million people <laughs> yeah. believe in reincarnation. <laughs> yeah, that's unbelievable. Now, yeah, yeah, that's that, that's that, a big number. That's a very big number. Yes. Now compare that with the world population right. uh, of seven. Uh, I think it's like seven billion people, and take twenty percent of that. Now that's a whole heck of a big number. <laughs> yeah. That's a, so that, that is um, the the thing about it is, it comes under. It, it may not. It may not fly under mathematical probability or uh, quantum physics, but it does. It does fly under the uh, the, the flaghead of where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, well, I think you know, you come down to one unalterable truth here, and that is that if a person has had a paranormal a paranormal experience that shook them to the core of their being. It's, it, it, it will take more than Einstein to convince him or her that it didn't occur. And that's, that is why these after, uh, or, these, or these near-death experiences on the hospital beds, I think, are so compelling. Because, you know, you have these people who are close to death, they come back and they recite what they saw, what they experienced, and they tend to have common visions. And and so this is what I think is, is, is very, very compelling about this area. And I almost think that one approach here is to simply look at the sciences and say, well, just because we can't measure it with a ruler or weigh it with a scale, it doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, it's sort of it's sort of a big compromise to say to to admit to yourself. Well, I guess I really didn't have this experience because I can't detect a particle or I can't measure it. I don't I don't think that that's necessarily true. I don't think that's necessarily a good approach. So I would yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I think that um, that the uh, the use of science. Uh, is is good for explaining the rules of of uh, the dimension that we live in uh, as a yardstick for another dimension. If we want to call the paranormal that, uh, does not work. It right. just uh, does not translate. If you try to approach it from a logical point of view, you will literally drive yourself nuts. Right. Uh, a good example of that is um, I brought a newspaper reporter with me on uh, on a particular case. We were sitting in a room by ourselves, dark room, nobody near us, nobody in the vicinity, and uh, we were doing what they call EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, where you ask questions and hope to receive responses. Well, anyway, I was asking questions, and at one point I turned to him and I said, uh, Brad, why don't you ask ask a question and uh and of course the funny part of the story is that he he said well i i wouldn't know what to ask hmm. i said brad you're a newspaper reporter <laughs> ask a question yeah, come on. so he he asked uh, a couple questions and it wasn't until um weeks later when we started to analyze some of the audio uh, recordings that uh, we found that he actually received very specific responses to his specific questions. Hmm. And it shook him to the point that uh, he, he, he tried at first to logically figure out how that could happen. And uh, like I said, that nearly drove him crazy. Was it recorded? The answers were recorded? The answers were recorded. Now, the interesting part of this is we had two recorders. He had his recorder, I had mine. He asked me if I would send him uh, the recordings uh, from my uh, uh, audio recorder, which I did. He compared them with his audio recordings, and they were exactly the same. He heard the same responses to his to his questions. Now, what what I always uh, uh, kind of throw out there is, how do you wrap your, your head around that? I mean, 
when you're when you're laying in bed at night and you can't sleep, <laughs> and uh, you start thinking about this, how how is it that you're in an empty room with a recorder, ask a specific question, and you get a specific response, which rules out the possibility, oh, there was somebody outside a window, there was somebody in another room, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, well let me get this straight, though. Is, is, the, and, is, the, is the voice answering the questions, is it audible at that time, or does the answer just appear on the tape? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. We had an interesting uh, case um, where um, I actually had a, a, a Pittsburgh playwright that uh, was with me. And he was doing research for a play that uh, was eventually released uh, here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, called The Haunting. And it was based on some of our case studies. And uh, during his research, uh, we were walking in a basement that was uh, noted for unusual activity. And in his ear, he distinctly heard a voice, a male voice, say, Get out. And on his recording, you hear him respond by saying, did you just say, get out? And you hear another voice saying, get out. Hmm. He was so shaken by this, he, he literally ran upstairs. <laughs> and he spent the next hour playing, replaying, and replaying the tape because he caught that voice that he heard in his ear on the recorder. Wow. And uh, to this day, he has it on his uh, iPhone, <laughs> <laughs> he, which he, he runs around and, and plays for his friends. So, yes, the answer is um, that sometimes you do hear them audibly. The majority of times, no, you do not. Well, that's another great use for our modern cell phones our, our modern smartphones is to is to record odd events like that. This is Philip Mirton, and this is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with paranormal researcher Ed Ozowski about his research into the paranormal. And I'd like to turn now, Ed, to your most noteworthy ghost sightings, if you if you want to call them ghost sightings, because I think a lot of listeners probably want to know, well, in all the times that you've done this, you probably have had some pretty noteworthy sightings. I, I will I will add to that that on one of your web one of your websites, I think it's called hauntingsresearch.com, is that right? Hauntingsresearch.com. You do That's have a, a collection of pretty pretty impressive uh, ghost pictures on there. I mean, you do. They're they're they are pretty doggone impressive, and I might say better than anything you'll see on Ghost Hunters. So, but in any event, what what have been some of your most noteworthy uh, experiences in 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 your research? Uh, you know, the one you just gave was good, but there must be a couple that sort of uh, told you you were onto something. Why don't you share well, a couple of those with us? In 1973, uh, I happened to be out in um, uh, Sandy, Utah. Uh, I had the luxury uh, during my life of having a job in which uh, it afforded me a lot of time to travel and do a lot of research. Uh, my uncle, who was a uh, sheriff out in the area, knew my interest in the uh, paranormal and in researching paranormal. And he told me uh, of a situation that was occurring within the neighborhood. And uh, through his influence, I was able to get involved. And it was a case of a 13-year-old girl who uh, some people would say was possessed. I'm not sure that I buy that. I think it may have been a case of severe mental illness. But uh, one of the... Um, one of the events during uh, that uh, visit that I cannot explain was that uh, in in true um, exorcist movie uh, tradition, <laughs> she was on a bed, 
uh, I was standing uh, about three feet from the bed. We made eye contact, and when I made eye contact with her, a lamp flew off of a table four feet and struck me in the chest. Hmm. Now, um, there is a, a very strong uh, case to be made for uh, uh, psychokinesis and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the role in, in quantum physics. Uh, oh, it's uh, the... Uh, Entanglement or action at a distance? The, entangle right. the, the entanglement theory, thank right. you. Right. Uh, because what you could possibly have was a situation in which uh, the entanglement theory, if people aren't, aren't familiar, is if uh, one particle separated from another particle by space uh, is uh, stimulated in any way, it is immediately um, uh, witnessed by the second particle um, separated in space. So you can make a case for the fact that the girl was a particle, I was a particle, we were separated in space, she had a very emotional uh, very strong emotional um, um, reaction, and it instantly created a uh, similar response, uh, maybe causing an, an energy wave of some sort, which would cause the, uh, a physical object to, to move, which it did. So... Uh, they eventually did do an exorcism, but uh, people ask me all the time, um, you know, about demonic possessions. In my 30-some years, I have never seen one. Hmm. I believe that uh, there is a lot to be said for uh, uh, mental illness. I believe that uh, some of it is uh, uh, psychokinesis, which is, uh, can be proven in the laboratory. I believe that uh, that that particular case is maybe the closest I've come to being a little bit on the fence. <laughs> I'm, st well, I'm still open on that. Yeah. Well. Well. Psychokinesis, um, for those who aren't familiar familiar with that term, is simply mind over matter. And and what what you what you alluded to. I mean, it's a very fascinating uh, subject of poltergeists or noisy spirits and to me those have always been the most fascinating the most far out of, of paranormal stories and there's actually some pretty good research on poltergeists and this is where you really have a house uh, or or a uh, or a, a building or a store whatever go completely out of control <laughs> you have things flying all over the place and and yes. and, it, and it really is it's like oh this can't be true but there are some eyewitness accounts around the world in the last 100 200 years that if you do research on poltergeists you you it's pretty easy to get convinced and it it doesn't it's not that crazy when you think about it because if there is a spiritual sort of backdrop to our world which is something we talk about a lot and we could call it the quantum field the energy field we could call all sorts of different things but if there is a spiritual backdrop to it then it would not be unusual in rare events for something to go haywire it's that simple and and so i do think that we're lucky that we don't have more demonic possessions or poltergeists. I mean, I think that that, I don't think any of us want to live in a haunted world. And that's something else to keep in mind. I mean, we we tend to um, run away, uh, put our blankets over our head, as you said earlier, when the topic of ghosts um, comes up. Now, what do you think ghosts are? Because you, you alluded to the survival of consciousness. Are, the, are they related in your mind? Actually, uh, Ghosts and spirits are, are um, technically two different things. Okay. Spirits, um, when the body uh, passes, spirits are the soul, the collective consciousness, the, 
the personality, whatever term you want to, to apply to it. That is that spirit that goes, as, as we all hear, through the light and uh, achieves its uh, level of uh, spirituality. Uh, in, in, in Christian re- religions, of course, we, we say they go to heaven. And which is a, a state of uh, pure spiritual existence. A ghost, on the other hand, is a um, is an energy that, when it leaves the body, for whatever reason, uh, it maintains uh, all the properties of uh, consciousness, personality, and uh, mm-hmm. whatever you are in life. That's what you that you'll maintain that. And as they pass on, for whatever reason, they choose not to go through and, and choose to stay what they call earthbound. In other words, close to their own environment, where they feel more comfortable. And it's, and it's for any number of reasons. It can be anything from a, uh, an energy that... Uh, in his lifetime felt that uh, he led a bad life and he's afraid to go through the light and go to hell because that's what he was taught. Right. It could be someone that died instantaneously on a battlefield in a car crash that doesn't realize they're dead. And we've run into quite a few of those. Uh, it could be someone that uh, is so attached to a possession, such as their house, uh, their wife, their husband, that they cannot bear to leave them. So consequently, we have what we call uh, earthbound ghosts. Now, we use, it, we use the terms interchangeably, ghosts and spirits. I do it myself. Right. But technically, there is a difference. Well, but how, does, how do you know that there's a difference? I mean, it sounds like... It sounds like a theory, and I, I've heard something before about uh, if there was a if something went wrong with the burial or something, or someone didn't die right, then the ghost lives on. But how how do you come up with a theory separating what a ghost is from a spirit? Is, is well, it's... I think that um, some of it comes about uh, through the near death experience. Yeah. Um, uh, tales that we hear, and as we indicated before, now that uh, scientists, doctors, and, and uh, very well thought of people are uh, coming out and, and telling their experiences, but in their experiences, one common thread is the the concept of spirituality, that they pass through, they they go into a dimension and existence that is that is just nothing like anything on earth. And they meet what they call spiritual beings. Um, we, uh, in, uh, in, re- in um, contrast, we have actually recorded people telling us uh, that they are ghosts, hmm. that uh, when they passed, they did not go into the light. Wow. Uh, uh, we have recordings of people telling us why they're still here. Uh, and uh, one of the most interesting, we, uh, we, we tend to ask the control questions, and one of the control questions is, uh, is there, do you believe in God? And I would say 99% of responses that we have recorded have said yes which is interesting in itself. So these recordings that you're making, in, in what context are you doing them in? Where, where are you making these recordings? Well, it depends on the, on the locale and what we're investigating and, I see. and researching. I, see. I mean, we, we've, we've done everything from, uh, uh, oh, gee, about a month and a half ago, uh, we were invited in to do an abandoned steel mill <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, try that one out. Yeah, there's probably quite a few uh, of those. Yeah, all the way to um, very historical um, uh, places. Um, 
we do a lot of uh, historical uh, uh, facilities and buildings, um, and uh, all the way down to uh, you know individual homes. Yeah, well, that it, it really depends. Yeah, that's a, it, and I take it that kind of stuff is on your website. Yes, it is. Yeah, they. Uh, and yes, I want to. I want to ask you one more question before we close here, and that is, where do you think this field of paranormal research is going? Do you think there's progress being made in in finding legitimacy? We touched upon this a little bit, but but do you think that this will always be an outlier, or do you think at some point it'll it'll be more accepted in the scientific community? No, I believe in the uh, in the cyclic uh, theory of history. I believe that if you study history and go back far enough, you find that there has been a constant. Um, cycling of belief-disbelief between uh, scientists. Uh, the world is flat. That's, that's the rule. Everyone believes the, 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 uh, the, the world is flat. At some point, somebody disproves it, and then suddenly, at some point, the rule of the land now is that the Earth is round. Right. And that, uh, that's an example of many, 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 many theories through history that uh, have eventually been proven and accepted by by scientists. Yeah. My hope in in my uh, my dream is that as electronics and as uh, science uh, evolves, and it's probably not going to be in my lifetime. I know it won't be. Uh, as they evolve and become more sophisticated and more uh, reliable and more believable to scientists, I believe that uh, at some point we will hit that that cyclic uh, point where uh, there is enough evidence, enough people looking. There, there already is enough evidence. Enough people actually sitting down and looking and in, in studying that evidence that uh, eventually my hope is that they that will become the rule of the land yeah that that's really i think that's that's a really good perspective on something on something that right now remains controversial but i do think slowly it's gaining acceptance and it's just it's just like anything else and the more the more people that buy in and more people that accept it the greater the chance you know the tower of doubt will tip over and and we'll be living in a in a in a world where this stuff is not so strange anymore now ed i'd like you to to quickly tell the listener how to find out more about your work i'm sure there's a lot of people who want to follow up and see those pictures of ghosts and recordings so why don't you tell them a little bit about how to find out more about your research. Oh, I'd be happy to. If you go to hauntings with an S, hauntingsresearch, one word, dot com, that's a very good place to start. On the welcoming page down at the bottom, we have links to, oh, seven or eight different uh, locations uh, on the uh, Internet, which we have a presence uh, we do have uh, a presence on YouTube, for instance. We have our own video channel uh, in which we show some very startling videos. Uh, as you indicated, uh, we have a page of uh, investigative photos, some of which are um, eerie beyond words. Uh, we also have a, a page on that uh, website where you can contact us. And uh, just write us a note. Uh, uh, we have people do it all the time. I'm very conscientious about returning everyone's uh, letters. Uh, so that's available. And there is also a free uh, email that you can, I'm sorry, newsletter that you can uh, sign up for. There's a page for that. As I said, it's free. It's delivered by email. And... Uh, We've uh, we've gotten a, a very big response from that. Just type in Hauntings Research, and uh, it should come up. And there are some very, very interesting pictures there. 
As a matter of fact, uh, you'll see uh, we are currently in the, the middle of a documentary that we are uh, filming uh, about the investigation. It's called The Haunting of Larimer Mansion. And uh, it's a three-and-a-half-year project that we've been working on. So uh, all of that stuff is uh, is available. Just I would start at uh, thehauntingsresearch.com and follow the links. Yeah, that's great, Ed. And I just want to add here that people like like Ed Ozowski really needed to be really need to be credited for trying to make the research into the paranormal scientific. We know, at least most of us do, that there's truth to the paranormal. And despite the theories of science, these events remain factual. Over time, hopefully, we'll see a more encompassing, broader theory that will bring these events into our scientific world. And we'll start treating the paranormal as something more normal. And maybe we'll learn how to be better people that are spiritual creatures because of it. This is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Merton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com. 